This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Amen. Well, years ago, and you, you'll remember um, this story, many, many of you, where there was a, du- a Dutch Christian who, along with her father, was instrumental in helping many Jews escape the Holocaust during World War II. Do you remember her name? Yeah, Cory Ten Boom. So many of you, and for some of you, that should be real, uh, that would be a new name, but Cory Ten Boom um, lived out her faith um, in her book, and there was a movie called Hiding Place, and the book, too, describes her ordeal, has actually sold millions of, of copies. But there are a number of quotes that come from her life that remind us um, that as a follower of Jesus, he is everything that we need in life. And he is my all, therefore I give my all. Let me just share with you some of them. Number one, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. I'll be going amen to that, right? If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look to God, you'll be at rest. So we look around us at what's going on, and maybe you've experienced that this week, and you hear the news, and everything is happening, and you go like, that is distressing, right? So I was at a conference with a small team from Gateway last week in Orlando, and, and we learned about all that's going on, including the great encouragement that it's not going to get better. Well, if your eyes are down here, like that can cause you to be a little bit distressed. But if we look to our own selves for the answer, well, that's not going to go anywhere. That will just cause a depression, you know, we'd be depressed, but we look to God and we'll be at rest. The second one that Corey Ten Boom said that I want to share with you is, in darkness, God's truth shines most clear. Have you discovered that? Yeah. During the dark days, it's this truth that shines bright and leads us and guides us in, in all of life. And then, then she shared this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I'd like to sit on that one for just a moment. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Because there are some of us here today who are going like, I, I just don't know how tomorrow is going to look. Actually, none of us really know what tomorrow is going to look like. Um, but when we talk about the unknown future, there are challenges that have come into our, to our life. And we just can't, we don't know how it's going to work out. Um, and that has caused us to be maybe d- depressed is the right, right word or caused us to be anxious. You know, Paul talks about being anxious. We don't have to be anxious. It's caused all these human emotions and, you know, never be afraid to trust an unknown God, unknown future to a known God. is something that we can hang on to, but we can hang on to it, not because it's some, you know, little cliche that's a little jingle that we can take with us, but because it's true. He is the one who knows the future. There's an old hymn, and I forget all the words to it, but just kind of reflects on, look, I don't know who about tomorrow, but I sure know who holds tomorrow, right? And that's the confidence in, in which we live. But I want to ask you this question. In an, what may be an unknown future to us right now, here's the question that we're going to kind of toss around a little bit today. Do we live in the reality that Jesus is all we need? Do we live in that reality regardless of where we are? And I'm going to be talking to us because I think that we live life on the spectrum. We, we live life in need and we live life in plenty and Paul talks about that. And in all of life, do we live in the reality that Jesus is all we need regardless of where you are today? Um, unsure of the future, 
Is Jesus all that you need? Living with nothing? Is Jesus all that you need? Living in plenty? We'll talk about that. Is Jesus all that we need? So how do we live this out personally? And how do we live this out as, as a faith community? Let me share with you some stories. Some of you will remember um, a Chinese pastor named Pastor Wang um, who wrote about his faith in a long letter in 2018. I'm not going to read the whole letter to you, but I'm going to read it up. A, a part of it. It really made the, the national news. Um, he was in prison and he wrote this letter. He goes, separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life, and no one can raise me from the dead. Take it all away. Take my family, take my children, my reputation, even take my life. There is nothing that can steal away that Jesus is, is all I need. Jesus is my all. That's what we're talking about today. Um, Bring it a little bit closer to, to the same year, 2018. This made the national news as well. Young guy, 26 years old, 26 years old, Jeff Hogg, went to evangelize the Centralese people just off the Indian coast. And shortly after he got there, his body was discovered. He was, he, he was killed. As they um, um, found his journal, the last entry in Jeff Chow's um, journal was this, final words. He says, I pray you will never love anything in this world more than you love Christ. And he felt the call um, to give all to the one who had given all, to evangelize the unreached people group, lost his life for it, and then that prayer, I pray that you will never love anything more than the one who gave, all, the one who gave his life, Jesus. I'll bring it a little bit closer for you, though. Many of you, and if, if you knew from Gateway, um, just a few years ago, we had a gentleman who came and stood on this stage and shared his testimony of coming to faith. <clears throat> he and his family live in India and they're a part of our team, Gateway's team, advancing the, the gospel there. I'm not going to name his name because with the magic of the internet, names go everywhere. But India now is amongst um, the most persecuted countries in the world. I don't know if you know that or not. In Open Doors, their watch list, where they list the 50 top most persecuted um, countries, India is listed as number of 11. They also list this fact that 312 million Christians face very high or extreme levels of persecution in the world today. And our partner, our friend, is living in that reality. But just a week or so ago, I got a message from him. And this is what it said. He said, I am so sorry for the late reply to this message. I have been busy and have had some rough weeks. Once a month, we do abiding in worship night with our group. Last Wednesday, this is just a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, last Wednesday, we had around 50 people gathered at our house. 
until we found that a police officer was standing at our gate with some other police guys scrutinizing us. We had to stop the service. They came into our house for lots of questions that made everyone a little tense, but no one was scared. I did meet with them the next day and had a talk with them. Thankfully, nothing serious happened, but I believe God opened that opportunity to make relationships with these guys so I can share the love of God in coming days. Meanwhile, keep us in prayers as there are lots of eyes on us. We're going to continue to do the work of the Lord that we have been called to do, even in the midst of this. That's standing in that place that says, the one who gave all, Christ is my all, I give my all. We're hoping to have his wife in the future days here at, at Gateway. But it wouldn't be surprising for the next note to be from his wife saying, Tom, he's in prison today because that is happening. Do we live in the reality that Jesus is all that we need regardless of what comes our way? All of these trusted Jesus and trust Jesus to be all that's needed. But where are we on that? By the way, Corey Ten Boom shared another quote, and it just says this, that you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. You'll never learn the reality that Christ is everything that you need until he's all that you have in life. And so today our theme from Philippians as we kind of close this book is this. Right here, Christ, Christ is my all. Christ is my all. And I want to ask us, and I'm not just asking you, it's, it's a question I ask myself, do we live in that reality? Is Christ everything that I need? And how do I live that out in, in my life? We're sitting here in different places today. Um, you're a parent wondering if, you know, like, how am I going to work this thing out? How am I going to make it through today, much less the next day, raising my, my kids, the strength and all that it takes, the wisdom and knowledge. Christ, Christ is my all. You're facing challenges in a relationship today. It just hasn't worked out like you thought it was going to work out. And so that's the place that you're sitting today. Christ is my all. You are physically worn out from life. Anybody there? Christ, Christ is my all. You have jerks for friends. You're a jerk. No, okay. Um, Christ, Christ is my all, right? So it's just living out this life. How do we do it? So that's the question. What does it mean then that Christ is my all and how do I live in this reality? So we're going to talk about that because Paul gives us the key to living out this life and living in that reality. Philippians the fourfold presentation of Christ, um, four, uh, fourfold presentation is, is this. I'm going to share it with you because it really is, um, helps to unpack and unfold this reality that Christ is all. Number one, Christ, Christ is the believer's life. Can you say that with me today? Christ is the believer's life. It's not who you are. It's not what you do. It's not your wisdom. It's not your career. Christ is the believer's life life. Paul says in um, chapter 1 verse 21, for to me living means living for Christ and dying is even better. I mean we put so much energy don't we into living but how about the reality of dying? It's even better Paul says and so the follow-up question is this, who do I live for? Who am I living for today? 
What am I doing? How, how, how am I organizing my life? Do I live for Christ or am I doing everything to kind of advance, live for myself? And I, I thank God for his blessings in life. We talked a little bit about that la- last week. But who do I live for? Is Christ my life? Number two, Christ is the believer's mind. Christ is the believer's mind. How many... Um, um, you're, you may be like me, like, I, I can, my mind can go in a thousand different directions on a dime. Yeah, oh, I see, and some of you are pointing at, at, at your neighbor, okay. Um, so, Jen, Jen often will be talking, and all of a sudden, I can switch subjects. She goes like, where, 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 where are we going, you know? Well, I don't know, yet, you know, but we'll go. So, you know, focus, right? Like, there's, like, I'm the guy that squirrel, right? What do they call it? Squirrel, everything, you know, it's, it's everywhere. Um, it, it's a bit of a curse, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting lifestyle. I'll tell you that right now. So um, Christ is the, is the believer's mind. We're going to be talking about focus here, but here's what Paul says in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourself, which is in, in Christ Jesus. And so the, the question I have for us, like, who, who do we focus my mind on? So who's my focus? Do I... Do I focus my mind on Christ? Do I live out my life that way? Christ is the believer's mind. Um, thirdly, here's one like Christ is my goal. So what's your goal in life, right? Is it, is it Christ? Is it knowing more about him, knowing more about his power? Is it living with that? Or, or is your goal generated by, you know, by what someone else is expecting for you? Or is your goal, like, I just want to be this, but that's all I'm fo- worried about? No, th- I mean, those things are all good. They're not bad, but Christ is the believer's goal. Listen to Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What about that? We talked about suffering a week or two ago. Sharing in his sufferings. Christ is the believer's goal. When we wake up in the morning, who's on our mind and what's our goal? So the question is, is this, what, what's, my, what's my purpose in life? Am I living that out? And then finally, fourthly, uh, Christ is the believer's strength. Christ, you know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Chapter 4, verse 13, and so here you go. Here's the question that brings us to that. Who do I depend upon? And for some of us, my prayer is like, we're going to switch today. We're going to go like, I have been so dependent upon myself. But today, I am making a declaration that Christ is my strength. He is my all. So Christ is my all. He's my life. He's my mind. He's my goal. And he's my strength. And I would just... Um, suggest to you today that this is what the world around us needs to see. They need to see followers of Jesus living in this reality. Christ is my all because he has given all and now he has called you and me to a brand new purpose in life. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, and here we are, um, when he talks about this, he's writing to those who are concerned about him. Um, He goes, hey, uh, not that I was ever in need, Begin with verse number 11. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. 
I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we're going to come back to that. We're going to unpack it a little bit because there's something here that I think that maybe we might struggle with. I'll share that with you in just a moment. Paul says, I have learned to be content. Christ is my life. Whether I have nothing or whether I have something, I'm content because Christ is my life. I live on almost nothing or with everything he says. So regardless, if I'm sitting in a place with nothing, he's my focus. If I'm sitting in a place where I have everything, Christ is my focus, not the circumstance that I'm sitting in today. It's, It's about him. I can do everything through Christ. He's my goal. Everything reflects my purpose in life. Who gives me strength? Christ is the one that I depend upon. Simply put, Christ is my all. He's my all. A few years ago, and some of you were here and many of you are are new, I I, I taught on what's it look like to have a breath prayer. Breath prayer. So breath prayer is just a five to seven word prayer, and I just encourage you, maybe sometime we'll come back to that, but it's just a short prayer that you develop that you can kind of breathe out at any moment, at any time, and throughout the day, regardless. And my breath prayer, um, just for me, kind of reflects this reality that I, I try to live in every day and says, Lord, you are in all and you are over all everywhere and every time. That's my breath prayer. Lord, you're in all and you're over all everywhere and every time. So regardless of where I might be or regardless of what the circumstance may be every time, you're in all and over all, regardless of what comes along in life, Christ is my all. Paul had discovered this secret, um, what he calls the secret of, of living. It's a secret of being, being content. And this is what leads us now to this, living in the reality that Christ is all. Contentment is a state of satisfaction. So there we are right there. So just like I'm satisfied with where I am today, <clears throat> where are we on that? <clears throat> I'm satisfied in, 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 in need and I'm satisfied in, in, in plenty. The Stoics use this word contentment to mean self-reliance and, and kind of a calm acceptance of life's pleasure. So I just accept life's pleasure, but Paul used it differently and, and refers to it as a, as, um, to a divinely bestowed sufficiency of whatever the circumstances, meaning this, this contentment, this state of satisfaction um, comes not from the outside things are going on, but from the inside what's taking place here, and because of what Jesus has done, I can live content in, in all of life. How many remember this dude named Hudson Taylor? Is that Hudson Taylor? Okay, yeah. He's an old dead guy, but yeah, I mean, he impacted the world. And in 1869, 1869, so that's before any of us were here, right? <clears throat> Hudson Taylor sank into deep depression. It was part of part of his journey. Now, some of us, myself included, can begin to relate to that, that side of the story there. If you've walked through those days and that's been part of my journey, I've shared that. But that was part of his thing. He even contemplated suicide. His inner conflict increased as the summer months passed. Listen to this part of the story. 
He prayed. He made resolutions. He fasted. He read his Bible to no apparent avail. He prayed for faith, for holiness, for peace, but only felt more conflicted until he met an Irishman named John McCarthy who had similar struggles. But a month later after leaving, Hudson Taylor, Taylor opens a letter from McCarthy in which he wrote, McCarthy wrote, he says this, I seem as if the first glimmers of dawn of a glorious day have risen upon me. I seem to have supped only that which can fully satisfy. This is the language he's writing in. As he read on, Hudson Taylor became convinced that McCarthy had discovered the secret for which they had been searching were in this life circumstance. Um, how do I live in this reality? He goes on, he says, this, to let my loving Savior work in me his will, abiding, not striving or struggling, looking off unto him, trusting him for present power, depending upon him, resting in the love of an almighty Savior in the joy of complete salvation. When Taylor read that final paragraph, not striving to have faith, or to increase my faith, but a looking at the faithful one seems all we need. All we need. The one who gave all is the, all, the one that we need, that all we need. Arresting in the loved one entirely for time, for eternity, it does not appear to me as anything new, only formally misunderstood. And I'll just say it this way. I pray that the Spirit brings us to this place, that Christ is my all in life regardless. Now, I'm going to do my best to explain something I think that we, we may struggle with. There's a spectrum that we are all on today. So um, some of us are over here, and we are, we are truly, humanly speaking, in deep need. I mean, when Paul says, like, I, I live without nothing, you will, like, ah, that's exactly where I am at. There's the other end of the spectrum where we have, we have plenty. And I, and I would just suggest, and then we're in between there too. But I would just suggest to you as we, as we read this, this passage, that during a time of need, that we rightfully proclaim, Christ is my all, he's all I need. And we should. But humanly speaking, it feels like it just comes so much easier when we're in that place. And this is what Paul says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I, I know how to live on, he says this, on almost nothing. And for some of you, you're on that end of the spectrum and go like, yeah, I get that. And so we pray, Christ, g give me your strength. And we should. We should. It seems easy for us to understand in the place that we go to quickly because we are in need. And we declare that in my time of need, Jesus is all my need. But I want to take us to the other end of the spectrum because I think this may be a challenge sometimes for us because Paul also says almost nothing, but then he says this, or with everything. I want to talk about everything for just a moment. Do we live in that place that Christ is my all when we have everything? When we have plenty Paul says, I do this life of plenty because Christ 
strengthens me, allows me to do so. Someone, someone once said this, they said, it takes a steady hand to handle a full cup. And the picture I, I, I have in my mind is a parent handing a full cup to their child. And the child is not, not able to hold it in a way that it doesn't splash out, but the parent takes the hand to help steady it. And so I have a question for us today. Um, for those of us living in plenty, and you go like, well, I'm not living in plenty. Well, I think that you are. I think I am as well. Many, most of us, most of us are. How are we doing in our everything? How are we doing in our plenty? Are we allowing Christ to live his, um, to, to bring us to that place where we go, God, strengthen me, allow me to live in my plenty in a way that honors you? Do we seek the Lord and draw on his strength as much during times of plenty as we do during times of of need. Do we live entirely? Christ is my all. You'll remember if you were around here for a little bit some months ago, we talked about kind of the reality that humans are prone to, to seek God in need, right? When we have nothing. And then they kind of drift a bit when we have plenty. Christ in all, contentment in Christ seeks him in times of need and in times of plenty. So my question then is, how are we doing with that? How am I doing with that? During times of, of, of plenty, Christ is all in my need. Is he all in my plenty? Let me, I, I have a question for you. Here it is. How many Bibles do you think the average American has in their home? T take a guess. Shout them out. 13? Five? Ten, two, one. Okay, David, you get free coffee. Yeah, it's four point four. So you're like the closest, and yeah, it's it's four point four. So um, yeah, there you go, right there. I, mean, I got like I don't know, I got every Bible I've ever owned. Yeah. So they gave me a well, they didn't give it to me. They gave it to my mother when I was dedicated a little blue Bible because. Blue for boys. Okay. Um, I got every Bible. 4.4. <clears throat> um, do you know that in the world today, in the world today, there are 4 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus? How are we doing in our plenty? Listen, these are not 4 billion people who have heard and rejected the name of Jesus. There are four billion people in the world today dying and going to hell who have never had the opportunity to receive Jesus because they don't have the gospel in the heart language. And we sit here with 4.4 Bibles and they don't even have a one. They go like, oh, no, no, God loves everybody and you know, I, I get that God reveals himself and all that, but listen, four billion people never heard the name of Jesus. We are rich people. We, we are people with plenty. But listen to this, for every $100 given in Christ's name, do you know how much goes to reach the four billion people? For every $100? I, I won't even ask you to guess. I mean, it, a nickel. 
And so I'm challenged by that. A nickel for every $100 to reach people who will never have the opportunity to sit like we're sitting and look at God's word and have the gospel in our own language. We're rich people. How are we doing in our plenty? So my, my prayer is this, Lord, help me to be content in my plenty, looking to you, but discontent until all have heard. God, strengthen me in my plenty so I live out your purpose in all of life. In my need and in my everything. What, what, are, what are the signs of, of having discovered this secret that Paul talks about of contentment? Here, here, here's some things. Contentment in every circumstance. So <clears throat> a life of satisfaction regardless of where I am today. Every circumstance, I'm content. Content um, with little, in little, or in prosperity. Doesn't matter. My focus is you. Um, content in hunger or being filled up. It, it, it doesn't matter. Content with abundance or, or suffering need. Whatever level of suffering that we might be at today. Finding strength in the one who is my all. The one who gave all wants to be all in our life today. Baxter in his commentary writes this. He says, such are the four chapters of Philippians and such is the wonderful fourfold Christ who is ours, always and evermore sufficient. They who trust him wholly find him never failing. If we let him, he will change every plaintive. I can't into a gladsome, I can. What a triumph little document this Philippian epistle is. Change our clanking on the writer's wrists and ankles, but he makes them sound like the bells of heaven. In the very first paragraph, he speaks of grace, peace, joy, love, glory, and praise, and the bell, bells ring right through all four chapters until they give a triumphal final post in the last paragraph. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It all comes down to this. I'll just put it in the last final question um, and then respond to it. How do I live out? How do I live with Christ as my, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I, I'm going to give you just two steps. The first step many of you have already taken. You declare Christ is your Lord. That's where it begins. Christ is my Lord, right? I believe in you and I trust in you. I give you my life. You are Lord of my life. And I'm going to pray in just a moment for those of you. I don't, I don't presume that everyone's, everyone's here, but this is where it begins. Secondly, for those who have, it's this, to commit to him all that we have been given, whatever that is. God, here it is. I want to, I want to live out your purpose for my life. Christ is my all. And as you give me the strength to do that, I will live out that life. That's what it looks like. So I'm, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to gather around the table. So I hope that you brought your communion element in. If you walk by the table and you don't have it, don't, don't feel bad for that. Um, you can just pretend, but you can still focus on, on him. I'm going to pray in simple prayer um, of, of placing your faith and trust in him. Now, I say it a lot, and, and many of you could repeat 
repeat this, it's not the words that you say perfectly in the right order, it's your heart that you lift up to him and say, God, I declare you as Lord of my, of my life. And if you pray that prayer in faith believing, he comes in, he makes you a, a brand new person and allows you to live in a way that's honoring of him and gives you a brand new purpose in life. So I'm going to pray that. Then I'm going to pray that many of us, regardless of the spectrum that we're on today, whether we're in need or we're in plenty, that Christ is my all and he will strengthen me, allow me to live out his purpose in my life, regardless of where we are on, the, on this spectrum. So will you join me in prayer? So Father, today I thank you again. Um, that you gave all. And because you gave all, we sit here today, Lord, with a brand new purpose in life. Those of you, those of us who have committed our life to you, I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, that we can live in the reality that regardless of where we are on this spectrum, in need or with plenty, God, we can live this life focused on who you are because you gave all. And if you're here, you've never placed your faith in Christ, never trusted him as your Lord and Savior. I said, it's just lifting, lifting um, from your heart these words. Lord, I, I, I want to believe in you. I trust in you. I want to, I want to make you Lord of my, my life. I believe that you came. I believe that you died for me. And I give you my life. If we lift up those words, similar words to the Lord, and declare him as Lord of our life, then we step into a brand new life and a brand new purpose. And then, Father, I would pray that as we all sit here and many of us in need, perhaps, I think probably most of us by the world's standards, in plenty, that you will strengthen us, Lord. We will declare Christ is my all in my, my need and in my plenty. And we will live out your purpose in my life. God, strengthen us with the ability to do so in a way that honors you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
precious Lord. 